0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 152, 2018 Anticipated Games. We'd like to thank Finn, our Patreon backer, for helping us bring you an ad-free episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network,
1: dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at DicetowerNetwork.com.
0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together.
1: This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Hey, Anthony. How's it going, my friend? Pretty darn good. We are uh, coming to the end of our end-of-year, beginning-of-year litany of lists. There you go. How about that for some alliteration?
0: There's <laughs> a cavalcade of lists. Drew yes. would be proud of us or horrified.
1: Or both. Yeah, somewhere he's crying. He's crying <laughs> in the corner. He's like, no, stop the lists. Oh man. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. But um, yeah, I mean, lots and lots of cool stuff coming up this year, but uh I'm obviously still trying to play everything from last year that we haven't even True. talked about yet.
0: Yeah, I've been getting some game groups together to play some games. I think it's It's a challenge because certain games play best with certain player counts, of course, and certain gamers, of course, and obviously certain locations. So certain game nights, you're just not going to get a heavy game or you're not going to get a party game to the table or you just can't play a two-player game just because there's just too many people there. So building those opportunities are very, very important. I actually got two opportunities kind of going. I got my charter stone group. Thanks Jay. And we got two games at the table done in the books. And I guess my initial impression with zero spoilers. So you don't have to shut down the podcast is it's a little confusing. And I guess in part, because you're building things as you're going on. So you're kind of playing through things. So I totally get that. But from a play experience, It's a little lackluster, and I know it's going to gear up, Anthony's told me, that, you know, game three and four. But it almost feels like, and I wonder if this is going to be my final conclusion. I don't know if it is, but I wonder if it's going to be like, hey, this plays best as a solo experience. And then once you're done with the board, it's an amazing board game to play with your friends.
1: That is not true. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. So I sorry. wish, man. I played through the whole campaign solo, and uh, I've played a few games now with other people, and it's it's better with other people. So, okay. Yeah, actually, Jason and I did a whole spoiler cast of Charterstone because we both finished it now, which will be out next week. So, right. you shouldn't listen to that. But everybody else, if you have finished it or don't care, you can check that out and hear what we think. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but same experience as you. It's uh, it starts pretty slow. I think Jason put it. It starts way too early. Sure. Uh, if you've played the game at all, you'll understand what that means, but it just starts a few steps before it probably should have.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I and I found that and like once again, not to spoil things, but I think certain cards that people are able to utilize and certain things they get from their charter stones, just because of maybe either luck or just because of what they happen to open, certain people were getting so much power so early on that the rest of us were just sitting back and just with our mouths open going
1: well they won that game so <laughs> yeah i mean the cool thing is it doesn't really matter if you win the game which you kind of you don't get to feel that early like the first couple games you're like oh, i lost but by get game five or six you know there's a lot of things going on so the winner winning doesn't matter as much as a lot of other stuff that you might do but okay but yeah, I, I know. I remember what you're feeling, and I understand. And it is frustrating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, he he's got that uh, thing, and uh, oh. oh
1: man! And then they moved the stupid progress, and now it's over. <sighs> I'm fine.
0: Uh, yeah. And I got my well, fingers crossed. I also have my Gloomhaven group finally together, so that'll be starting up pretty soon. Although, what I'm hearing, and maybe you can confirm or deny this, Anthony, a 200 hour experience to complete everything? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, It's over 100 scenarios, and there are like a handful more scenarios that came with the new version. I'm still sure. waiting on mine, because I guess those got shipped out after all the second edition. Yeah, it's something like that. And that's if the games go quick, because if you go more than two hours, obviously it's going to be more than 200 hours. Yeah. Is long. Yeah, we have a game night for that,
0: although I recommended us trying to find a couple of weekends that just chip away at it, because... I don't want this game to last two years
1: yeah <laughs> it might
0: <laughs> yeah because you know you get after work everyone gets together and then you you know you put in two hours or more and then you know next thing you know it's eleven, twelve o'clock at night and people have to go to work the next day so it's a little challenging
1: yeah for sure i mean it's one of those games too though like some of those some of the things you do will take longer and some of them are a little bit shorter like you know there's not a ton of luck in the game, but if you guys you know if you get the right combo, everybody works together right, or you have the right people out there at the right time, you know, a certain scenario might go quicker than you expect. But yeah, weekend would be great. i would totally recommend that. Because you could knock two or three of these out in a row and you don't have to worry about setup or breakdown time sure. in between, which is pretty extensive, you know, depending on the scenario.
0: Yeah, our friend Kelly was nice enough to help put together the Gloomhaven insert. So that should help us move things along a little quicker, but massive games i'm looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to charstone all right so that's what i'm looking forward to so anthony what is everyone looking forward to what's our question of the week
1: all righty so because this is the 2018 most anticipated games i asked everybody what their 2018 most anticipated game was and some of these games will show up on our list later probably most of them actually but i wanted to run through some of the games people are mentioning so matt and jolene both mentioned thunderstone quest uh jerry tom And, uh, Joe all mentioned brass. Um, there's two versions of brass coming from that Kickstarter. So I think everybody's equally excited about the, both the new version and the very, very pretty, uh, reprint of the old version have Tim mentioning his own game, Archmage, which is coming out soon, um, which I did have a chance to play last year. So I will agree. I'm also looking forward to that. We have a couple people mentioned the new Batman game from Monolith, which will not be coming out in 2018, but it'll be on Kickstarter, I think, next month. So okay. I'm also very excited for that, but it'll probably be a 2019 release. Graham mentions Rising Sun. A few people mentioned Rising Sun. Guillermo mentioned Rake Holt, Zombicide Green Horde, Gandhi, and the Seventh Continent reprint. Champions of Horror was another mention. Too Many Bones Undertow. A couple people mentioned that. And uh, Feudum and Epoch were a couple more that made the list. So lots and lots of different stuff. I think almost everybody who responded, and we had like 25-ish responses or so, mentioned something different. So there's a lot of games people are looking forward to, and it seems like it's a pretty varied year. There's no like one big game everybody's looking forward to right now.
0: Okay. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there, and we're going to be talking about all of that on our feature review as we talk about our 2018 most anticipated games. We typically do this each year and then review at the end of the year. So I'm really looking forward to talking about those games. And if you want to talk to us more about these games, don't forget Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. We have a guild on BoardGameGeek. We have a YouTube channel. We're pretty much everywhere. And if you'd like to get in on more direct conversation, we also have our Slack channel that you can jump on if you're a Patreon member. A dollar a month, and you are joining us there at the table. Now, Anthony, with all of that said, we're going to skip our acquisition disorders because this episode, we have mega acquisition disorders. Let's jump directly to our at the tables. So, Anthony, what are you playing this week?
1: All right, so I got a chance to play a beautiful new game from Inca and Marcus Brand, Rajas of the Ganges. This is a worker placement game that uses dice as resources. So the and it's got a few interesting quirks to it so there's a lot of things that are very familiar that look familiar feel familiar to a lot of other euro games but there's a couple of things that are just you kind of have to wrap your head around takes a little bit of time so i had a lot of fun with this one for that reason so the basic idea is you're going to start the game you have uh, your workers in front of you and over the course of the game you could get two more workers um, from one of three possible locations and you have multiple different tracks You have a fame track, which you'll be moving along to the left. You have a money track, which you'll be moving along uh, in the opposite direction. And there are multiple points on each of these tracks where you get bonuses and upgrades and additional meeples. Um, There's also a river track in the middle, which doesn't really contribute to game end or scoring, but uh, it has a lot of bonuses on it. So as you move your ship along there, you get bonuses. And if you get towards about two thirds of the way through the river, you also get a meeple there. Now you can only get two of these three meeples so the you know whichever two tracks you max out first there are multiple different locations to place your guys Uh, you have the palace with uh, six different possible locations each of them matching one of the faces of a die and so when you go here you'll place a meeple and you have to spend a die with that die phase a one two three four five six and take that action Uh, You have multiple options down at the bottom of the board where you can trade in one color of die for two of one other color of die. So one blue for two orange, one orange for two purple, etc. You can also just place a meeple and get a die. And then there's another one where you can place a meeple, get two money, re-roll your dice. Now the core of the game, uh, or at least the part where you're going to score most of your points and get most of your money, is on your own personal player board. This is a board that you're gonna have in front of you and it has multiple different bonuses on the edges and you will purchase tiles by going to a certain part of the board taking your action um, on this market space and spend a little bit of money and then you spend dice to equal the number on the tile you're trying to buy so it's let's say it's a blue tile and the number on it is a 10 you need to spend blue dice that equal up to 10 to get that tile The tiles all have different roads on them. You match up those roads on your own personal player board, and you kind of build it out. Now, if there's marketplace um, icons on that tile, you get the money from them, and in the future you can get money from them again through income. If there are buildings on there, you score points, and there's different building tracks on the right side of the board that you can increase the point values of. So they all start at 2, they can go up to 4, and that's the fame points at the bottom. And so you kind of build this out, uh, you can run your roads to the edges of the board and get bonuses from those. Lots and lots of cool stuff you can do here. And you kind of have to wrap it around all these different tracks. So you're managing the fame, you're managing your money. The money track goes up, but then it comes back down when you spend it. Um, you're trying to move along the river and get those bonuses. And while the dice are resources, and that's important, you have to keep track of not only the number of the dice, but the colors as well, because that matters for a lot of different things. The game ends when you're well, one one person's fame uh, score marker passes their money score marker, and then at the end of that round, whoever has passed their two markers by the most wins the game. So there's no, like, set score here. You're going to have, like, I passed it by eight. I passed it by five. And so the winner technically has eight versus five, um, however you want to score that. So it's kind of a race, really, to see who can get there first. There's not a set number of rounds. I really, really enjoy this game for... Several reasons. I mean, it's a lot of different things going on. Uh, you have to try to organize those and keep those in your head, and make sure you you know don't get lost in the six thousand different icons on the board. I like the idea of trying to manage both your fame and your money. The fame points are each the each space is worth two of the money. So if you move up one, it's kind of worth two overall moving along the board. But the money is more useful. Plus, there's more bonuses along the way going up the money track. So Money is sometimes easier to get, but the fame will move you closer to victory, and you really want to move them both. They tend to meet in the middle of the board in most of the games I've played. So it's a very interesting game. Most people I've played it with, including myself the first time, it takes good half to two-thirds of the game to really wrap your head around all the different things you're supposed to be doing and what the combos look like. So give yourself a couple plays, because the first play you might just be like, I don't understand what I just did. But overall a lot of fun, a lot of interesting decisions to be made. The game is relatively quick. You know, Once you get over the AP and everybody's comfortable, you're looking at about 90 minutes or so, maybe two hours tops. And it's very pretty to look at. So it's it's definitely got a lot of interesting things going on. So that is Rajas of the Ganges. I'd say it's a strong play, well worth checking out, and a, a solid Euro to start the year.
0: Yeah, I got a chance to play this too at the table. And as you said, it's, it's a beautiful game. Gray production, worker placement, dice rolling, dice allocation, and that really interesting race mechanic where those two tracks are trying to hit, ideally at the same time, and kind of blow past each other. People at my table really didn't get the feel of the game the first time we played it, so I don't want to give it a review until everyone at the table really knows what they're doing and really gets a feel for it. There's a lot to do on the table, and it's definitely a game that can kind of melt your brain a little bit. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm hoping to get it back to the table and come back with a uh, future review. But solid game,
1: great production, and definitely something I want to play again. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend that because it's uh, I had the exact same experience. The first time I played it, I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> and... <laughs> And it was worker placement with dice allocation, so I'm like, I probably like <clears throat> this. I'm going to play it again, but uh, definitely worth a couple plays.
0: Yeah, it's literally has pretty much every mechanic.
1: <laughs> worker placement, dice rolling,
0: tile placement. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you're making money, you're losing money, you're getting fame, you're going up a track, you're picking up meeples. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. That's, that's, that's a heck of a game, man. And hopefully once I get it down, I'll let you know. Now, on the opposite side, I played a game that really was not that mechanically heavy. It was pretty simple as far as the gameplay is concerned. Production-wise, it was kind of off the chart. And I'm talking about Michael Kiesling's game Azul. This came out from Plan B Games. And basically, what you're doing here is you're placing tiles. So this is all about these beautiful interior tiles of the Alhambra. In Portugal and you're trying to place these little tiles on a board to make this beautiful wall And there's a number of different scoring opportunities in which you're going to be able to score points And obviously be able to win the game and then obviously just lord it over everybody else because It's not a very heavy game so basically at the start of the game tiles are pulled and In this game there are five different tiles And they are placed on these beautiful little circular tiles. And then on your turn, you will pick one of these selection of tiles. And then based on that selection, you're able to pick one kind. So there may be two red on there. So you take the two red. And then you are able to place it on your personal board. Now, this personal board is really interesting because it allows you to eventually be able to place a color of this tile on this certain arrangement now this arrangement has all the colors in each row and basically the idea is you want to place the tiles in such a way that when you place a tile next to another one it scores victory points so the more often you're able to do that the better on the top of the board by placing one tile of a certain color at the end of the round it's going to definitely move over but going down the board you have two three four and five so you'll need more of a certain color tile in order for that to move over and score that tile now the game finally wraps up once somebody has a row and then you finish that round up and there's additional scoring based upon if you're able to complete and by complete i mean cover all of those color tiles with their matching color you'll score 10 extra points or if you're able to get a column there's, I think, believe, it, There's seven extra points with that. So there's a couple of different ways to score points beyond just putting those tiles in the right places at the right time throughout the game. And there's also negative points in this game too. You might run into a situation where you have to take a large number of a certain color and you have no place to put that based on certain rows being filled up or certain places on the tile board that's already taken up. And then those are negative points. There's also a first-player marker that lets you go first, but it's also a negative point, so it's a little bit here and there. As I said at the start, beautiful production, extremely simple game. I enjoyed playing this a lot, and I think everyone else did too. The little bit of the downside about this game was because it's such a simple game, it didn't come out for a second play. Now, I've played it since, but every time I've played it, nobody wanted to play it again. So this game gets a play in part because it wasn't heavy enough to keep anyone's attention for a second game. And because the price point of this game is so high, I think it's about $40 retail and the tiles are are a good production. The artwork is great, but the mechanic is so simplistic and so light that it really doesn't match up with the price point here. So play this game I think you'll enjoy it it's a nice little filler just at the price point I can't recommend it as a
1: buy yeah it's a game I haven't had a chance to play yet it's uh, I love abstracts and it looks beautiful but I just I have nobody's brought it to the table yet and it's not something I'm gonna pick up because of the number of abstracts I own at this point so I guess I I'll continue to wait for someone to bring it for me to give it a shot
0: yeah I think you'll definitely enjoy this game it, it was a lot of fun like I said great production just it's a little high for a filler game. All right, so that's our At the Tables. Now let's get on to our feature review. You know that we love talking about anticipated games that we want to get to the table, hopefully games that we could add to our collection. So this time, we want to talk about the most anticipated games for 2018, games that you should have on your radar for the upcoming year to pick up, to get to the table, and to play with your friends. So Anthony has put together an exhaustive list of the great games that will be coming out, both Full base games and expansions that you should look out for for this coming year. So, Anthony, why don't you let us know what's going to be hitting our table in 2018?
1: So much stuff, you guys. So much stuff. (laughs) Uh, I I think the number I saw for 2017 was something like 6,500 releases. So we're going to talk about... 20-something of those for 2018, and there will be a whole bunch more, but let's kick it off right away with a game that should be coming here in the next month or two. Uh, It's delivering even early to Kickstarter backers, and that's Rising Sun from Simon and designer Eric Lang. Uh, This is his big, epic, Blood Rage-style take on negotiation games with uh, Japanese mythos, and I'm extremely excited about it. I backed it way back when, and I'm looking forward to my copy here in the next month or two. Should hit retail by the summer, uh, I would imagine, at the latest. Um, Next one on the list here is Cerebria. This is from Mind Clash Games. They did Anachrony, which you all know how much I love that. So this one kind of goes inside the human mind and messes with emotions and plays out the whole uh, fight between good and bad emotions. So beautiful, beautiful artwork, fantastic miniatures, the whole crazy, you know, The people with the crazy ideas behind uh, Anachrony taking a whole new thing. So I'm excited for that one as well. Edge of Darkness is the third card crafting game from AEG. So after the kind of lighter trick-taking custom heroes, John D. Claire has Edge of Darkness. This is the original design that he came up with with this system. And AEG basically said, this is too much. Um, so they kind of did a proof of concept with Mystic Veil and custom heroes. And now we have this epic game. We saw it at Gen Con kind of laid out. It is a monster. Um, I think it's hitting Kickstarter first. So it is, it's got the card crafting, worker placement, deck building, threat challenge system, which is kind of like a cube tower type of thing. Lots of stuff going on here. Pretty excited to see what they come out with. Um, if nothing else, it looks very pretty at the moment. Uh, Root is the new game from Leader Games, so this is a, an asymmetrical game about animals trying to save their forest, so uh, this Kickstarter ran a couple months ago. We got a chance to see it in action at PAX Unplugged, so it, it does look fantastic. It has beautiful little miniatures, and if it's got the same kind of asymmetry as um, what we saw in uh, Vast, it's going to be you know, a heck of a game as well. Uh, Thunderstone Quest is the kickstarted reboot of Thunderstone Advance, uh, from AEG. So they kickstarted this last year. It should be releasing this year. Lots of people mentioned this when we asked them about their favorite games for coming up. And, uh, it's also on our list for the same reason. CO2. Uh, this is an old Vital Lacerda game and it's one I never got a chance to play. Uh, I think the original version of the game wasn't particularly pretty, much like Vino's. It just kind of blended in on the shelf. So this is getting a new kind of fancy version, upgraded rules, new solo rules, the whole nine yards, kind of like what they did with Vinos. So I'm pretty excited for that as well. Founders of Gloomhaven. So we all know Gloomhaven. We should know Gloomhaven. It's the number one game on BGG and almost everybody else's list. So Isaac Childress ran a Kickstarter last summer for a Euro Uh, based a thousand years before the events of Gloomhaven uh, and that should be delivering this year as well. So excited to see what he does with this. It's going to be a very different take on those mythos and kind of the first full-fledged medium-weight Euro that he's done. So we'll see how that turns out. Brass Birmingham and Lancashire. This is the Kickstarter from Roxley Games that kind of revitalized and revamped the original Brass and then kind of did a new version of Brass that uh you know remixed a lot of what made that original game so popular and just the production on this looks fantastic you know full stop but um just getting this old classic back to the table and revitalized plus a new version i think a lot of people are excited to see what the the differences look like in that next up on the list is rise of tribes this is a game from breaking games and designer brad brooks and it is as you'd imagine um it's about prehistoric tribes you know building civilization with modular boards so kind of a unique different take on you know civilization building kind of going way back to kind of see the roots of it so very pretty production the price on this was kind of high i remember when the kickstarter ran but uh having seen it in action now it does look very interesting so it'll be cool to see that when it finally hits the table scythe the rise of fenris Uh, Chris talked about this last week on his acquisition disorder. It's a campaign style expansion for Scythe with 11 or 12 modules, I believe. So more Scythe is great. Adding a campaign to it, even better. So excited for that as well. Uh, Eclipse, second edition. So Eclipse has been around for a little while, has a few expansions, but it's starting to show its age. Uh, The graphic design is a little dated. The game is fiddly as all heck getting set up and if you bump those cubes, some of the expansions are better than others. Some of the pieces are better than others. So it's kind of getting that Twilight Imperium style upgrade where they're going to pull in the stuff that matters and get rid of the stuff that isn't as much. And so that'll be exciting to see, um, when it, when it is released, uh, next one here is Stevenson's Rocket. This is an older Reiner Canizia game that's being re-released by Grail Games. I think the original version was 1999. So they did a Kickstarter for this and it's, Kinitia's take on route building and train games, so you look at the map, it looks kind of 18xx-ish, but it is um, kind of his unique take on that, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as well. I have not actually played the original, so I don't know the game as well, but the new version is very, well, Grail Games does a great job when they upgrade, update any of these games, and they've been doing a lot of Kinitia games lately, and they all look really nice. Uh, Feudum, is this crazy fever dream of a Euro. Uh, If you've seen the artwork, you know, it's it's pure Euro, but it's got, like, these crazy monsters and weird-looking sea creatures, and just the whole aesthetic of the game is just different and unique, and that alone makes me excited for it. It's a medieval economic game so you feel like you should have a a frowny looking constipated dude on the cover but that's not what you got you got a monster climbing over a hill chasing these people away from a tower so (laughs) i don't know what to expect uh but it looks fantastic and it is coming out this year that was a kickstarter early last year i think uh next two are a couple of expansions for games that we really really enjoy first is agents of venice for marco polo and the second the houses of renaissance for lorenzo il magnifico uh the Marco Polo expansion is going to add a whole big kind of module for Marco Polo returning to Venice and kind of all the intrigue that goes along with being back home and kind of dealing with the trading there and then Lorenzo is going to add just a whole bunch of new stuff so new houses and this whole new you know concept added to the game um both of these are big box expansions the Marco Polo expansion should be out in the next couple of weeks Lorenzo Il Magnifico, I don't think it's been announced yet, but I'm sure Simon's going to release it at some point in the next few months. Uh, It came out at Essen. Uh, Lords of Hellas. This was a Kickstarter last year, and it is currently in the process of shipping to backers. So hopefully by the end of the year, everybody else can get a shot at it. But it is a kind of techno twist of a uh, take on Greek mythology with these You know, you have all the the famous Greek myths, you have all the famous gods, but they're all done in a kind of high-tech sort of way. Like, it's hard to describe, but if you look at the images, they're very much, you know, they look like it's taking place in space or on another planet. And some of the miniatures are massive, and it's this big old massive sprawling board. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Cthulhu Wars in terms of how it's laid out. Uh, And so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays when it finally hits the table for a lot of people that are getting it right now. Next up is Century Eastern Wonders. This is the new game in the century series from Emerson Matsuchi. So it is a whole new kind of take on that little world the century world. Uh, this time it's more pickup, deliver and set collection. It's modular, um, unlike spice road, and you can pull some of the cards in from spice road and mix the two games together, which I was always hoping they would do and they're doing, so that's great. Next we have the Lord of the rings, LCG app. Um, this is coming to PC in the next few months. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it is the video game version of Lord of the Rings living card game. And what more could you ask for? Ray Colt is a new Uwe Rosenberg game, and it is got some of the most beautiful artwork we've seen in a Rosenberg game, uh, at least in terms of the cover art. Uh, We don't know a lot about the game yet, but it'll probably out by the end of the year. Um, Usually his stuff releases at Essen. So that looks like a great one to add to the, the Rosenberg collection rise of queensdale is a we talked about inca marcus brand earlier um this is their new game coming out towards the end of the year has artwork by michael menzel fantastic artist um, and designer of legends of andor and this is a legacy game in the kind of civilization medieval worker placement um uh, kind of game and it's got dice management so what more, what more could I personally ask for? <laughs> next up, Star Wars Legion. This is releasing in the next couple of months. It's on the boat right now as we record this. It is a pure-blooded miniatures game from Fantasy Flight Games uh, in the Star Wars universe. That's really all you need to know. That either sounds great or it doesn't. But for me, it sounds great. So it's on my list. Star Trek Frontiers, Return of Khan. So we've heard rumors about a uh, expansion for Star Trek Frontiers for a while now. Uh, this game came out almost... Well, it's been about a year and a half, but by the time this expansion comes out, it'll be about two years and it will add some new difficulty options, kind of tweak the game a little bit and introduce some new mechanics and some new characters. The game needs a little bit more to it to kind of hit that Mage Knight level of depth. So that's great to see. Uh, Stuffed Fables is coming from the designer of Mice and Mystics, Jerry Hawthorne and Plaid Hat Games. And it is, as you might guess, little stuffed animals running around completing various quests. So it's an adventure game. It is for kids. It is storytelling style. Um, they're calling it the first of their adventure book games. It's a new product line they're releasing. So it has a storybook that kind of helps with the rules and guiding through the game. So I I mean, I'm excited for it personally, but I'm more excited to kind of share it with my kids. It looks like it's going to be great for them. So all the parents out there, keep an eye on that one. Uh, Spy Club. This one kickstarted back after Gen Con. Um, I did a preview of it. I uh, got a chance to meet the designer at Gen Con. This is a really cool kind of spin on the detective genre. So it is, uh, kids solving mysteries and crimes after school. And they're silly things like who stole mom's purse, who stole the $2 from mom's purse, you know, on the skateboard <laughs> in the park or whatever it is, you know, they're, they're not murders. They're just crimes that kids could solve. And, you know, you know, Nancy drew, um, boxcar kids type of stuff. Renegade is a new game from um, Ricky Royal. He does a lot of solo rules uh, on YouTube, has a solo blog and a lot of other content he puts out. So he, he's one of us. Um, and his game is also very good. So we got a chance to preview that, you know, a few months ago when it was on Kickstarter in the summer. It is a uh, cooperative game, um, kind of a deck builder, but with a few unique mechanics, and it's very cyberpunkish. So uh, it's It was a lot of fun, and I'm very excited to see the final version of it because there's a lot of cool ideas there that weren't quite finished um, with all the content that's going to come in the Kickstarter. Um, Artificial Intelligence and Brazil. Uh, these are the two new games from uh, What's Your Game. Uh, Brazil is it has been kind of pending for a little while now, I'm waiting for that one to come out. Uh, it was supposed to come out about like a year and a half ago. I think it's supposed to kickstart at some point. And then Artificial Intelligence, we don't really know much about that, but kind of this whole... The, the artwork, at least, looks really great, I and mean, it's kind of this unique take on Euros through the, that kind of AI lens in the future. Uh, Manhattan Project 2, Minutes to Midnight. This is the sequel to Manhattan Project, and it is a little more complex, a little more involved, uh, a little harder, and those all sound great to me. Manhattan Project is a fantastic worker placement game, so it'd be cool to see what they do with that next. Uh, Neusefjord. So this one came out at Essen. The English version is coming out sometime in the next two or three weeks. Um, I got a chance to play it at PAX Unplugged and it was a really interesting middleweight, one to two hour Uwe Rosenberg game. Only two resources, not a ton of locations to go in terms of worker placement, but a lot of interesting decisions. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, gentes is, or gentes? I still haven't figured that one out. Uh, it was a Spielworks game. They printed a thousand copies. You can't get it now, but Tasty Minstrel's doing a Kickstarter uh, in the next couple of months with a delexified version. So uh, that may not ship by the end of the year, but it will be pretty close and it's uh, coming pretty soon. And then last but not least, we have Gandhi, the decolonization of British India, 1917 to 1947. So <laughs> coin fans, GMT fans, don't say we didn't think of you. Uh, This is the newest coin game. It's still in the P500, but should go to print soonish. And it is the ninth in the coin series, and it's about Gandhi and kind of his campaign to get the British out of India and that whole kind of two, three decades uh, of, you know, making that happen. So it will be a big, heavy, massive, long game. And I'm just interested because it's not a traditional war like a lot of the other coin series games. So it'll be... um, introducing this whole idea of the non-violent faction, which I think will be very cool to see in a board game that's ostensibly a, a war game system. So there you have it. 28 games to look forward to in 2018. I think you covered them all. I think that's it, right? I man, If that was it, that'd be great, but we, I don't know how much <laughs> content we'd have.
0: I think if, it feels like it, but so many games coming out this year, and like I was talking about Azul, it seems like all these games are just doing... Super
1: massive collectible productions, too, because... Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have GMT, so you're going to get GMT. But the rest of these... <laughs> it's, um, that it's, will... it's GMT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know what you're getting. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like, seriously, some of the stuff here is just, like, mind-blowing.
0: Okay, so that's everything for our most anticipated games for 2018. Hopefully your game made this list. If not, jump on and let us know. Catch us on our social media so that we can catch the game on the upcoming year and hopefully get it to the table soon. Okay, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we hope that our legacy for 2018 is you'll be joining us at the table.